All right. Question of the week. And it's really short, but since we're talking about an HBO show, I wanted to know, um, what is your favorite HBO show that, you, that you've seen? If you have one. <laughs> okay, I, I was trying to think. Growing up, we didn't really have HBO unless we spent the night at grandmother's house, so. Right, right. Um, Series-wise, I may just have to say Watchmen because it okay. stands out the most. I haven't had the privilege to watch like some of the classics. Right, right. That they have, so like Sopranos or Wire or Sex and the City, whatnot, but the right. watch stands out for me. Okay. Yeah, I think if I had a pick, I'd have to pick um, the first season of True Detective. Like, I was hooked. Like, I was I was a fanatic. I thought, like, I don't know. I thought this, it was this huge mystery. I was really into it, so... I think I'd pick that, the one with um, Matthew McConaughey and uh, Woody Harrelson. Okay. Yeah, I heard yeah. it. It's really good. I still need to still need to watch that one. Yeah, it was it was good. You are now listening to It's a Streamable Life, a podcast chronicling life in the peak entertainment era. Streamable Life is hosted by cousins Lauren and Brandon and recorded independently in Hawkins, Indiana. Enjoy the show. Alrighty, this is another episode of It's a Streamable Life with Lauren and Brandon. Um, we'll get into what happened today in history. Okay, these are some, they're not really entertainment. Well, one of them is, but one thing I thought was interesting because um, being from Indianapolis, but um, I didn't, and I didn't even know this. In 1991, Willie T. Ribs was the first African American to make the Indianapolis 500, and that is important because if the world, you know, was running the way that it usually does, uh, here in Indianapolis, we would be hearing race cars for the um, qualifications and the practices and everything for the big race coming up. But right. since it's not happening. Uh, none of that is going on, but yeah, I, I didn't know that and I didn't look up, look it up, but I, I know for a fact that there haven't been many since him. So, yeah, it's been very few. Yeah. So I think in terms of diversity, we've had maybe the same like handful of women and, um, a lot of, I know we've had Japanese racers and different racers from Asian countries, but yeah. As for black people, I'm not sure. Um, and then the second fact I found was that um, Do the Right Thing, um, Spike Lee's film premiered at the Cannes Film Festival uh, this day in 1989. All right. Still, yeah. many believe his his best film. Yeah, it's really good. Cannon. All right. Then. All right. We'll get into our first segment here with our headlines. Uh, just catching up on what news stories really caught our eye in the past week or so. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have one. One I thought was quite interesting. Um, the 2019, oh, sorry, 2019-2020 rating systems for the big okay. networks came out. And for the first time in like some seven or nine years, Fox won the 18 to 24 year old demographic, which is usually 
a, a pretty high demographic all the networks try to target. Wow. Yeah. And again, CBS won overall with most viewership, which they tote every every day. The most yeah. network on television. But um found something interesting since 2017, 2018 season, all five networks have seen their percentage of viewership drop except for Fox. Damn. What's keeping them afloat? I mean, what's making I wonder does it say that? What's um well between live sports and oh, okay. CBS has the million cop procedurals. Like those are that's those true. Drag a lot of viewership, and most of their demographic are baby boomers and above. So, okay, yeah, okay. Well, the sports, like, yeah, white people like Blue Bloods, Magnum right. Guy, all those NCIS shows. It's just like. It's birdsey to them. Yeah. All right. Well, no, that definitely makes more sense. Yeah. And then Fox actually um, has seen an increase, unlike the other networks, mostly because of the mass Singer the past few years and shows like 911. So. Okay. Huh. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Um, I didn't see anything from too far ago or last week or anything but i did um see that um ruby ruby rose left batwoman which is kind of interesting because she's you know they got to find new batwoman now so yeah (laughs) right which is kind of like wow so yeah and they're they're saying they had nothing to do with her near death stunt injury on set so yeah we'll we'll see Exactly. I, I I guess I didn't remember that happening or forgot that it happened. Yeah. No, that's interesting. But um, but from what I read, the show had like you know pretty good success. People tuned into it, so I, I don't know. I'm not sure. They, they and it's it's all it's it's all just happening right now. So I'm not sure who they would even right have lined up or any ideas of who could be the next person to fill her spot right um they have great success with this dc show so yeah whoever fills the shoes can carry on right and just one season but who knows right so there yeah kind of crazy right all right we'll now get into our second segment here our not segment where we discuss uh particular tv shows we're both watching weekly yeah. uh we got some double duty here tonight. The first episodes we'll be discussing are from season three of Killing Eve. We've got episodes five and six. Yes, yes, we do. Episode five was entitled, was... Are You From Pinner? Right. In this episode, we saw Villanelle finally reunite with her mother and brother who she thought who they thought she was dead. Right, right. And um, she meets the other family that's sort of accumulated since then. Her mother's remarried. Um, and there's a, a little boy and a brother and his girlfriend and whatnot. Yeah. And we kind of see her backstory and why she sort of operates the way she does. Yeah. What do you think of this episode? 
I, I really enjoyed it. And I think I said it before, what I like so much about the season is that we're starting to see uh, Villanelle not become undone, but show more of her human side. Clearly, she's still deranged. I mean, she ended up killing her family, but, well, most of them. But um, it, it's nice to see. And it, it also shows the range of Jodie Comer. Because, I mean, she's she's flipping back and forth. She's going through a wide range of emotions. But it, it is really nice to see this brutal character kind of slip up and, you know, um, want something else other than to kill people. So that, I like that. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't that she was killing out of sport this time. She was right killing with some sort of moral... Right. compass here because we could see the lineage of abuse was being transferred on this innocent child yeah. and she didn't want that for him right and it, and it was nice to to get her backstory now it wasn't like the whole thing was her backstory but we learned you know what she went through as a kid we learned about how much she she enjoyed her father her relationship with her mother and Mm-hmm. the truth about everything that happened enough of it really so right yeah I, th- I think this episode was a perfect mix of drama comedy and just straight sort of that thriller that we get right um especially in in the last shot with her coming home on the bus just her ability to put, to portray like mourning but like this cynical diabolical sort of twitch in her eyes just right it seems like she's trying it almost seems like she's trying not to feel it like yeah yeah very good episode and i thought this week's episode was excellent as well yeah it was um we see more of finally gets to see more of constantine and like his plan right um, of extraction with his daughter who I guess she knows what he does, sort of. Kind yeah, of. yeah. And she has a thirst for it as well, as we saw. Yeah, <laughs> escape. She kind of improvised with her stepfather there, but um, got more of Constantine, and we have Eve putting the pieces together behind uh, not only Kennedy's murder but the attack on Nico. Yeah, yeah. I thought her face to face with Dasha was very good. Yeah, the bowling thing that was that was intense, man. Definitely intense. But yeah. the biggest thing we discovered was with Carolyn. Um, one, her new boss is revealed. She doesn't know yet, but he's working with the twelve, and it's basically a plant. Yeah, because he's working with Constantine to sort of uh, recon the incident with the accountant. Right. Because someone's taking the money and they don't know who it is if it wasn't the accountant. Right, right. And then we get another bombshell that Kenny may have been Constantine's son. Yeah, which that'd be wild. That would be quite the twist. Yeah, because as much as they were adversaries or comrades or whatever, I always felt there was something else Right, between them. Between Carolyn and Constantine, yeah. Yeah. Especially when 
uh, the daughter early on mentions how he used to come around all the time. Yeah, that's a that's a that's a big thing. It and I, I'm still trying to see and and if that is true, it makes more sense why um they're keeping the daughter character around Carolyn's daughter because sometimes it just seems like her parts are kind of random but I can mm-hmm. see how having her around and having that story with Constantine and her mother would make sense for her to be there so I guess we'll see how it plays out yeah yeah she may find out or right understand more why she and Carol excuse me she and Carolyn don't connect Right, right. Like Carolyn Kenny had. So we only have like two episodes left. Yeah, I think so. I think it's just eight episodes this season. It's been really good though. Yeah, it's gone quickly. All right. And then we had the final four episodes yeah. of ESPN's The Last Dance. Um, the documentary covering Michael Jordan's final year and the Bulls last championship. And basically his career yeah. um, up to that point. Um, see, seven and eight sort of discussed, where are we? Um, seven and eight discussed his father's murder. And what else? Shoot. Mm-hmm. Let's see. It was all his return from retirement basically yeah that's right right. yeah his 93 his early retirement after his father's murder and then his subsequent return um in 95 96 yeah yeah Um, what did you think of what we learned or what was revealed in those two episodes um i i once again oh god I think what's interesting is that just like how differently you see things like when I I can vaguely remember him retiring when I was, when I was younger and it kind of just being like, Oh man, he's done. But seeing this in the episodes leading up to seven and eight and all that he went through Mm -hmm. at at this age. Now I can understand. I'm honestly surprised that he didn't stay retired. You know what I mean? Yeah. He was, he was under so much pressure and, um, I I don't know. I think that was the biggest thing to me. It definitely gave me a, a different and better look at that. And um, the the whole thing about his father, that's just, that's crazy. I mean. Yeah. That, I, I remember yeah. it happened, but not like the details like that. Right, right. Exactly what happened. And it's funny, like today, that sort of walking away from the sport and understanding of the like the pressure mentally, physically, emotionally that it has on athletes, just being right. in the conditions they are, we understand it more clearly. Back back then it was just like, oh, he's giving up. And they had to throw salt in a wound that wasn't there with the conspiracy theories and right. whatnot. So cause to, this, crazy. to this day, I have a friend who think who thought he left because of the gambling and mm. and everything like that, which never really made sense it was just the media being kind of vicious yeah yeah no that's crazy into a i don't know man it's just the the brutality of it the more you learn about it how they just kind of yeah 
left his body in a swamp. They're like, damn. Yeah, all for riches. Destroyed yeah. the car. Like, right. Just. So. Yeah. I know. And then um, his return. I clearly forgot or I just never knew or paid attention that they lost. They didn't make it to the championship that first year, which makes yeah. sense. Right, right. His body was out of shape. It was a long shot. Given that much time, he actually had to prepare between shooting Space Jam and conditioning, right. which was insane for anyone yeah. to do. So it, it drove him even more to return to get the next, the right. next three. I think one thing that this whole documentary is showing us is just, and I, I'm not saying as a, I don't know how to say it, but like these athletes are are quite literally freaks of nature like the things their bodies can do the things how they train and everything it's just i think that's what blows me away is it because you do get generational talents you get we, we had michael jordan and then you have kobe and then you have lebron and now we have zion but it's just it's still so amazing that what they're capable of mm-hmm. yeah um so then we transition to episodes nine and ten the final two and here we have them talk about um, their first meeting with the Utah Jazz. Yeah. First of two um, in the championship. And their inevitable meeting with the Indiana Pacers. Yes. 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 The was the only time or only two times they were faced with a game seven in the finals or playoffs. Yeah. It, as a Pacer fan, it hurts. But um, I'm just trying to look at it from like a a neutral standpoint. Um, I mean, it was good games, and and for them to say that you know it was like the hardest opponent they ever played, it's kind of a slap in the face to the Knicks. Like, oh yeah, yeah. I, mean, I think it was the hardest team they played outside of the Pistons. So, mm-hmm, definitely. Right. And like Reggie said in the documentary, they had. A phenomenal team. Like, yeah. Oh my God. Crazy about the talent on there. It's just the other team had Michael Jordan. Right. Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. And um, it, it, oh, I think that it was like a Russian nostalgia um, growing up in the city to, to, first of all, see that jersey, see the players, and then to see Market Square Arena. I remember when, yes. um, I remember when Market Square Arena closed. I remember when Marcus Square Arena was demolished. They showed it on WTHR, like it was mm-hmm. like it was a game. And I remember the um, when when well, it was initially called Conseco, and now Banker's Life. I was like, wow, this is crazy. Yeah, it's 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 like we we know these things happen, but we really truly forget. Like right, right, until it's brought back, like visually. Isn't yeah. Um, and that last episode sort of got into um, sort of Steve Kerr's role in that final championship. Um, yeah. And sort of how he adapted to this to the new team and every all the changes there. The BJ Armstrong was on Charlotte and Horace Grant was with Orlando. And right. these guys, Jordan made it very clear, like, you, you just can't ride on the coattails. You have to show me that you're worthy. Right. And I had no idea about Steve Kerr's father and his story. No, that was that was news to me as well. I guess you just 
I don't know. I, I, I guess you just really never know what people are going through. Like, yeah. Yeah. And basically they, they kind of drew a parallel between Steve's father's death and Jordan's death and how that's sort of connected them. And he was like, you know, we never really talked about it like that, but it it was something very extremely rare for that to be something in common. Right. No one else. Um, and yeah, they talk about how, you know, they, they got out that, that sixth championship and how they thought they could go for a seventh, but right. the powers that be didn't want to see it. No, yeah. Um, a, another excellent documentary from ESPN. I've seen a lot of people say that, you know, it wasn't a, wasn't as great because we didn't learn anything new about Jordan. He didn't divulge any unknown secrets or anything. Folks were mad that he's the same person as we thought he was. I was like, well, what did you want? Yeah, that he was going to come out and be like holistic and change. Like, no. He is who he is. Yeah, exactly. And also, I, I, I don't think I think if you're going to do something about the Bulls, obviously you can't escape Michael Jordan. But this was about the entire team, the entire organization. And I yeah. learned a lot more about Chicago Bulls through the 80s and the 90s than I ever knew. So, no, it was very informative. Definitely. Everyone's point of view, like things we heard, they right. you know, put truth to power. And, and it's just amazing how they're one of the best teams in NBA history. Right. I just – now we saw what's coming next, but I think when you get a documentary like this good, like the, as good as this one, you can't help but wonder like what you want to see. Like, you know, who else would I want them to do a story about? Who else would I want to see and have it, you know, broken down like they did this one, so. Yeah. And I, I saw where they're supposed to be doing um, uh, 1998 Finals, the movie. Just oh, wow. basically about game six. Oh. I'm not sure when it's supposed to air. I think it's soon, though. But right. that's another thing. It's supposed to have never forcing footage and interviews about the final game of Michael Jordan Bulls' career. All right. All right. All right. Um, that's our not segment. We'll now transition to Binge Me Not, where we discuss things we're binging currently, finished, and other TV or streaming recommendations. Okay. Um, so I watched the, it, it's the English show called the in-betweeners and, uh, it was, I think it was aired in like from 2008 to 2010. And, um, oh, I can't, I don't know. They did, they did an American version, like 2012 or something. But anyways, it just follows like a group of four friends, four boys kind of like going through the end of high school and stuff. But it, it's so funny cause it has like that dark kind of almost crude English humor that you get in their shows that you don't really get here. But, um, Mm -hmm. and it's just really just the kind of things that get into uh, drinking, sex, all this different stuff. But um, I'd always seen it on Netflix and then I just clicked it and I was like, let's, let's start it. And Oh my God, it's, it's been hilarious. So, but other than that, that's, that's really all I've been watching. Okay. Me, another extensive list here. Yeah. I'll start with what I'm currently watching. Um, Trial by Media is on Netflix. 
It's okay. basically a series that um, each episode documents a sort of like news sensational story that the media sort of perpetuated to a greater heights. Mm-hmm. Um, for instance, the first episode is the Jenny Jones um, murder, guest murder, where um, basically talks about how like the rise of trash talk TV shows yeah. in the 90s and how um, a guest brought on a male friend and revealed his crush on him. Oh, wow. And two, I think it's three days later that a man, individual, murdered his friend. Damn. And talked about how, like, uh, the family tried to sue Jenny Jones' show, saying they were responsible, and it, it was just really interesting. I always heard about it. I didn't know the exact details, so. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. Um, also on Netflix, I started The Eddie, starring okay. um, Andre Holland. This is a show by La La Land director Daniel, what's his face? I can't remember his last name. But by the jazz club in Paris, led by Holland's character. And it's it's shot with like a sort of 90s indie film hmm. feel to it. So it looks it looks very real. It's not like that shiny produced mm-hmm. focus. Um, but basically he runs this club and it he kind of gets in a jam when uh, he finds out the his friend that was doing the books was doing some type of illegal stuff. And because of that, he gets uh, murdered. And uh, it kind of morphs to like this murder mystery, but the music plays a big part in it. It's two episodes in. I'm um, two episodes in. It's pretty good so far. Okay. Very interesting. And then on Stars, I started Hightown, which yeah. debuted Sunday. Um, it seems pretty pain by the numbers so far. Um, a, I don't know what you call it. They call them the fish police, but um, an officer uh, stumbles upon a, the body of a young girl off the coast of Cape Cod in um Prince Town, where they yeah. call, or did I say that right? Well, they call it P Town. Let's yeah. uh, let me make sure I get the name right because it's a real place. Well, it's on Cape Cod. It's a, it's a large um, artistic and LGBTQ community area. Okay. Okay. And. Um, she finds the body, sort of focus, focuses on the opioid crisis, and she's an addict herself and gets into um, her trying to solve this mystery. So hopefully it, it's good. It has a, um, I don't know if she's black, but a colored woman lead. So that's what kind of drew me in. Okay. Yeah, I think I saw, uh, we, don't, we don't have stars, so they Comcast is randomly offering the first episode, so I've seen it on the on-demand thing. So, yeah, it's by the same woman who created Gotham, which is interesting. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then we had the final episode of How to Get Away with Murder last week, ABC's drama series starring Viola Davis. It was a crazy ending, but a much needed ending to such a topsy-turvy series. Um, the, the series really 
was sort of groundbreaking in the topics they discussed and with her as a lead character, um, it had all these soapy elements, but underneath there was a lot of a lot of substance. So it was, yeah. it was the finale. All right. And then I finished Hollywood, Ryan Murphy's uh, limited series about 1940s film industry being rewritten as allowing you know gays and blacks and minorities to actually participate in movie roles and writing and stuff like that. It, it was an interesting, interesting watch. I really enjoyed it as it went along. It got, it got better. Um, okay. Yeah. So I'd recommend all those. And Highway with Murder is on Netflix if you never watched. But yeah, yeah I think I have uh, the Eddie in Hollywood in my queue for Netflix. And I think I was I was on the How to Get Away with Murder train like the first seven episodes and then man that show just start throwing twist and twist and i was like you know what nah. yeah it's very twisty turny like yeah. it the peak was was season one through three and then four and five felt a little sketchy yeah and then six sort of like try to tie it all together so yeah all right we'll go to our next segment here no concessions where we're discussing films we've been watching um i'll go first i didn't watch any films but i did okay. see some trailers right, um, right first up was shirley starring um elizabeth moss as horror author shirley jackson and i think right. this is coming to hulu in june okay um she played <laughs> she plays the same author shirley jackson and it looks like a sort of psychological thriller yeah um she kind of befriends this couple as she's writing this novel and her sort of a thick she sort of comes her relationship with the young woman sort of reaches a peak of mm, i don't know what to call it more than sexual attraction but also like sort of this feral mental yeah energy looks like another grand divorce performance from uh, moss yeah um, she 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 knows i i like her one because she can she can act but i she knows what she's good at mm-hmm. and um yeah shirley jackson she she didn't have a great life she was a heavy drinker if i'm not mistaken um she had problems with her husband and um it's one of those things where she didn't get quite the recognition while she was alive that she did after. You know, after she passed, mm-hmm. and um, so no, it'd, it'd be interesting to see her story told this way. Yeah, it looks very interesting. Yeah. Um, for those who don't know, she was the author of the Lottery, which I remember reading in yes. in uh, I think it was high school, and I was just sort of shook because <laughs> yeah, yeah, because it's that's the sort of fiction, the horror I like, like that can actually happen like there's not right. much supernatural or right i was just about to say that and i was about to say that the the premise of that isn't that complex it's not that outlandish it's 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 like whoa yeah yeah so and then the second trailer i saw was for spike lee's next film which will be on netflix the five bloods yeah um, this premieres i believe june 12th 
um, a star-studded cast where yeah. um, four um, African-American Vietnam vets return to Vietnam to look for a buried treasure that their fallen comrade has mm-hmm. allegedly buried somewhere in the forest. This stars Daryl Lindo, um, Jonathan Majors, uh, Chadwick Boseman, Norman Lewis. Like the cast is amazing. Right. And of course, he uses this, that signature song, Time, in the trailer. It, yeah. it looks, looks like another possible, not classic, but a pretty strong effort from from Spike. Yeah, I think um, it's he's really hit a groove here lately. Like, he's always been a great director, but some of his, his films as of late have been like, damn, like, yeah, he's really putting his, his hole into it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Um, well, this weekend, in terms of movies that I watched, um, Joker aired on HBO, I think it was Saturday night, and um, I watched it. And I don't need to explain. Everybody knows what it is. But my take on it is uh, it – oh, God. Yaquin Phoenix is incredible. Right. Uh, I think, yeah, he's he, he is – insane to the way he you know lost the weight to get his body down to that shape and um just the physical stuff that he did in this and kind of the uh just how he portrayed the joker but everything else around yaquin phoenix was very lackluster like it was just kind of he 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 deserved a better story if, if that sounds right like, I just, personally, I felt like, you know, the writing could have been better. Okay. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I've heard, like, people who, who've liked it, people who've liked it but see the flaws, and then folks that just right. couldn't, couldn't get through it, so. Wait, have you not seen it? Not yet, no. Oh, okay, oh, no, I thought you had seen it. Yeah, no, it's... No. Yeah, it's it's not it's not that it's bad. It's it's good. It has its moments, but it's it's very kind of huh, like okay, that's it. Like, <laughs> oh. yeah. Okay, I I actually might check it out since it's on HBO now. Yeah. yeah. Alrighty, we'll get to our final segment here, um, where we are discussing. Speaking of HBO, their new series. I know this much is true. Um, based yeah. on the novel by Wally Lamb, um, which was written in 1998, so yeah, it's been a while. It yeah, was a New York Times bestselling novel. Stars uh, Mark Ruffalo as both uh, Dominic and Thomas, twin brothers, um, who are sort of experiencing a very Extreme livelihood. Yeah, yeah, that's um, the best way to put it. Yeah, uh, the they're identical brothers, identical twins, and one brother is a paranoid schizophrenic. And after he, an episode where he removes his hand as a sacrifice in a public yeah. library, his brother uh, Dominic has to figure out how to take care of him amongst the other, basically how to take care of him amongst the residual of the trauma they've experienced from childhood 
on with right. with this relationship and relationships um, from others. It also stars Michelle Leo. We saw um, Julia Lewis, Rosie O'Donnell, yeah. as well as some other. Catherine Hahn. Catherine Hahn, yes. Yeah. So what did you think of these first two episodes? Um, having not read the book, I, I didn't really know what to expect going in other than that Mark Ruffalo is playing two characters. But uh, I, I don't know. I, just, I picked a bad day to watch it, man, because it's so gloomy. And it, it's, it's heavy. It's like heavy. Yes. It, it's very <laughs> – it's a lot. Like I think that's the best way to put it. There's a lot going on, and none of it is positive. But uh, it was good. And like you said, the cast was – I mean, that's that's a great – cast that they've assembled but um you know it, it's interesting just the the relationships that we're seeing you know how yeah. everybody kind of connects and i guess we'll see how they play out in the long run yeah i would agree it it's definitely a lot um just sort of like the i mean the opening scene is the yeah. the incident right yeah and then it's sort of ripples out to connect the other characters right uh, dominic's ex-wife and why they're divorced right his relationship with their mother and their stepfather right. and how you know uh thomas's condition though undiagnosed at the time sort of like affected his childhood and right right and how it started and sort of like Dominic's refusal to admit that he's suffering as well and right yeah it is a lot to I think um and another thing that I noticed is that I'm not sure who directed it but um there are certain scenes where they are they are long scenes that force you to sit there and watch what's going on then and two of them happened in the first episode the scene with Juliet Lewis in his apartment seemed like it was going on forever. Ever. And you just, and you didn't, I didn't know what was going to happen. I either thought they were going to hook up or that's what I thought was going to happen. But what happened was not what I expected, even though I was like, Jesus. And then the scene, once he's in um, Hatch, the, the prison where they take his brother, yeah, and he's he's talking to all those cops. Just the way it's shot, and the close-ups, and the kind of you're kind of in this close area with them as well. You feel a sort of just you're not comfortable. I was yeah. like, geez, this is this is a lot, man. So like, uncomfortable. I, I kept expecting. I mean, there was some some violence eventually, like explosive behavior. Right. But I was expecting something much on a larger scale. I didn't know how to. To feel right, yeah, and I guess that's what they want you to sort of experience, like the not the dread, but just the constant unstableness of right, yeah, no, I guess so. And I think the hard part for me came in episode two when we find out how his him and his ex wife's uh, relationship sort of dissolved, yeah, and just the scene at the house with Thomas, you know, his conspiracy on why this happened and how you would, as a, as a brother, but also the victim, 
right. no matter how you reconcile with that and right is really a lot going on and um just kind of like and we hit on it just the different relationships but the one that I, the relationship with his his stepfather mm-hmm. and i think i don't know i guess for some reason i felt that he would have died but um just kind of how it 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 hasn't really gotten better i mean yeah he's a grown man now and it's still still like, very, very fractured yeah they're on still square one of something so and just and, that sort of well just that mentality of like all he needed was a brute force and stop hiding him and right right like that not understanding that chemically he's different right be fixed by you know the strong rod or something like that right yeah it was it was, it was really good. But that was... Oh, what was I about to say? Oh, God. I got to hit when that happens. I had a thought, and it just left my head. Uh, whatever. It's fine. I think yeah. it was just... It'll, it'll come back maybe next week. <laughs> okay, that's fine. Right. Um, but, yeah, the only bright spot I saw on this was the antidote about them on the ferry and how... I, I mean, evidently they made it, even though they weren't allowed to participate. But that little boy, right. like, well, maybe he doesn't know his left from right. And it was like that simple. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I just thought, oh, good job, Eugene. You <laughs> you <laughs> saved the day. Right. But yeah, it was like I said, I didn't know what to expect, but I, I left that first episode just like, damn, man, this is. Yeah. Um, How does one conjure a story like this? Like where? Yeah, I'm not. I I don't know how. That I guess that's 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 creative because um because it, it's not true, is it? No, that's why I thought I thought it was based on a true story, yeah. like a retelling, but it's definitely just a fiction. Yes, you know I don't know. He's that's crazy. I wouldn't even know where to start. Yeah. It, It'd be interesting. I'm sure at some point in his life he had some sort of trauma. Maybe not with the sibling in this way, but I don't mm-hmm. know. Yeah, very interesting. Yeah. So um, I believe it's a six-episode series. So yeah, we'll see what turns how it turns out in the next four episodes. And I just want to put it out there, man. But God, it is as direct, not deranged. It's just wild as the scene was with Juliet Lewis she she did what she did like does best like <laughs> yeah she yeah. has oh yes she was so good in that scene it was so out there but i couldn't see anybody else trying to pull that off or being able to pull it off the way she did it that was that was incredible mm-hmm. and what's interesting is like we may never see that character again yeah <laughs> like she has a big name like yeah and she just she's just kind of gone like wait a yeah. second yeah all right. Well, that brings us to um, uh, the last few questions of the episode. What will you be streaming for the weekend? Um, I think I'm going to try to hop into the Eddie, try to get at least a couple episodes. Of the, and how many is it? I think that is six as well, if I'm not mistaken. It's not too long. 
I just know that I put it in my list and then I looked at the first episode and it was like an hour and nine minutes. I was like, oh, Jesus. Like, so. And it, it's definitely one of those, it's not a slow burn, but it takes its time. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, I think. I think yeah, it's eight episodes. All right. All right. And each episode is named after a character in the show. So the first episode is Elliot, which is Andre Holland's character. The episode is Julie, which is uh, Amanda Steinberg's episode, who is his daughter. Oh, okay. Yeah. And this this has a similar, it's not as dreadful as this much I know is true, but it's not a happy-go-lucky yeah, story. situation. Yeah, yeah it's, it's kind of heavy. Um, for me, I think I'll continue watching those things, but I would want to start uh, Avatar: The Last Airbender on Netflix. Mm. So I'm gonna try to toss that in sometime if I can. And I believe Friday, The Lovebirds premieres on Netflix. Yeah. So I hope hope to check that out. Yeah, you'll enjoy um. Enjoy Avatar. I was in high school when that first aired, and uh, I was I was a fanatic, man. I didn't miss an episode. <laughs> yeah, I heard it's great. One of my friends is a big fan of animation. Yeah, man, it's it's incredible. They did animated shows don't get the love they deserve. Like, and then there was like a not a spinoff, I don't think, but a show that came after it called The Legend of Korra. That yeah. follows one of the oh man, that was that was just as good. Yeah, I've heard both are really great. Yeah, so yeah, you'll enjoy it though. Oh cool. All right, all right. Well, that's the brings to close of this episode. Um catch us next week where we'll be discussing again episode three of the much I know this much I know is true. And we'll be sort of reaching our final picks for um our um special series, either um, Better Late Than Never or Second Stream Around. So mm-hmm. we'll have some news for that. Until next time, keep streaming. Peace. Thank you for listening to another episode of It's a Streamable Live. Write and review us on Apple Podcasts and make sure to follow us at AS Life Podcast on all social and streamablelife.wordpress.com. Keep streaming.